0: welcome to the celebration church podcast we believe god wants to speak into your life through this message if you're interested in knowing more about celebration church you can visit our website at celebrationedmonton.com and find us on instagram and facebook at celebration edm thanks for joining us we hope you enjoy this message
1: we're gonna do um something a little bit different for our message this morning if it's your first time here um it's gonna be a little bit different experience um, we're gonna just more so have A conversation, uh, as opposed to hearing one person speak a message, and so we're gonna start that right now. If everybody over here is all right with it, let's uh, let's do this, guys. Oh, sorry, Hannah.
2: Welcome everybody who's here in person. Welcome to those who are online as well. So good uh, to have you all be a part of celebrating 30 30 years. 30 years of celebration.
3: be together, too, on this 30th anniversary. So uh, we want to welcome everybody. And you know what? We're so excited today. Um, But you know, so many times we look back on anniversary services, we spend a lot of time looking back, and that's a lot of fun. We want to do that. But today, we want to be really intentional to look forward. Yeah. Really looking forward. And I like that term because people say, I'm looking forward to the weekend, or I'm looking forward to my vacation. Mm-hmm. But we wanna look forward to the future with expectancy and say, this is what we're looking forward to as a church. Right. This is what we're looking forward to for the next 30 years. Yeah. Yeah. And so there's a great scripture about that. Philippians 3, 13 and 14 says, no, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Jesus, is calling us. So looking forward to what lies ahead. So today, we don't wanna just talk about what we've accomplished as a church, but we wanna focus on the tremendous future we can have ahead of us. And another way I've heard this is a a translation I really like. It says, I forget all the past as I fasten my heart to the future. I fasten my heart to the future. So we need to have gratitude and appreciation for for the past but we, can, we need to fasten our hearts to the future as a church. So, and why do we do this? If you have your heart set on the future, it'll determine what you do today, the decisions you make about your time, your relationships, all these things. And we have to be that intentional. We need to keep the future in mind for everything we do. Yeah,
2: absolutely. Um, you know, we don't wanna be a church that just looks back and then, because here's what happens sometimes when you're like that, is you just defend the past. Right. Um, you know, this is why we shouldn't change because this is the way we've always done it, which I've heard that's the statement of a, of a dying church. This is the way we've always done it. Yeah. So we, we don't want to do that. We also don't want to fail to look forward um, because to do that would mean you're not living with vision. And we've always been a vision-led church, a vision-driven church, if you will. And so looking forward is huge and very, very important to our future.
0: Awesome. You know, as we, as we look forward, obviously we need to consider still you know, the past and what's really you know, made us effective as a church and what's really brought us to where we are now. So what sort of things do you see from our past being uh, carried out in our future?
2: Well, there's several things that we're gonna touch on um, through, throughout our time together here. But before we get into that, I, I wanna say this. First of all, a huge thank you to everyone to every person who has contributed over the last 30 years. Um, Yeah, go ahead and do that. You know, as we consider the, the things that are important going forward, there are many of you in this room, also watching online, who have been great examples of the very biblical principles that we're gonna be sharing about and talking about today. And it's because of your faithfulness that we have celebrated so many baptisms and salvations and seen so many lives changed and seen the church grow. So I just wanna say a huge thank you from us to you for your volunteering, for your giving, for your inviting, for your leading, your serving, your praying, for every way that uh, you have been a part over these years and you have made us what we are uh, here today. So thank you for not just being with us, but for serving with us, yeah. yeah, that's really what that's about.
3: And you know, when we were reflecting back and thinking about our values, the first and foremost value we had was seeking first His kingdom. In Matthew six thirty three, it says, "But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to." So that value that we want to carry forward is seeking first God's kingdom. And that's just something that Dennis and I really had in our hearts and in our lives, and we really want to teach that. Make sure we keep that going forward. And what is seeking first his kingdom? It's really giving it all for Jesus, making the kingdom of God first priority in our lives. And Joel actually mentioned this a couple of weeks ago when he was speaking. He said that you know we had settled, Dennis and I had settled as we became Christians, as as we were serving in ministry, we had settled in our hearts that this is going to be our value. So I don't know if everybody knows, but we were originally from Ontario, then then we were part of a church in Vancouver. When we were in Vancouver, we just started to feel like God was telling us we were supposed to go plant a church. And so in the natural, you know, if, if we would have thought about what do we want, we would have loved to go back to Ontario and be with family. Or we would have loved to stay in beautiful BC. You know, there's lots of places in BC we could have found a nice place there to yeah. plant a church. Yeah. But the value in our hearts was seeking first God's kingdom. What does God want for us Going forward, so we just set some time aside for prayer, and we really felt that Edmonton was the place we we're supposed to be, yeah. mm-hmm. and it wasn't something that it was in the natural. It was definitely God. Wherever you want us to go, we were seeking first His kingdom in our lives. So we were we made a point of listening to the call and stepping out in faith, being willing to do something for God, not out of comfort or our preference but out of God's will and God's call for our lives. So looking forward, this is a value we want to continue to teach and really challenge others with. Because in this life, there can be so many things that compete for our time and attention. You know, work, career, where we go, uh, making money, hobbies can compete for our attention, kids' activities. But we really wanna uphold and teach the value going forward of putting the kingdom of God first, first place, and God says all these things will be added to you.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. You know, another uh, principle that we want to carry forward is this one, and that is his last commandment is our first priority. Jesus' last commandment, known as the Great Commission, was this, Matthew 28, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I commanded you. And so as we led the church, we've always led with evangelism. We've always shaped the church to think about those outside of the walls, not just those in the walls. And, and one of the important factors that we learned early in ministry was this, stay on mission, just stay on mission and resist distractions. I can remember in the early years, you know, different things that were a distraction and and kind of getting past that and deciding, no, this is what we're called to do. We're not gonna try and be something we're not. We're gonna be what we're supposed to be. And then I thought, oh, great, we've got past that distraction. It's all over. No, that's not the way it is. There's always something that wants to distract from the mission. But opinions and issues are distractions. Theological preferences and imbalances are distractions. What is happening down the street is a distraction. The church always needs to stay on its mission. Reaching the lost is absolutely foundational to every other ministry that happens in God's house. And the thing about it is this. We are called to be fishers of men, not keepers of the aquarium.
1: (laughs) That's good. That's good. All right?
2: That's good. So... And, and in so doing, one of the principles that we've always encouraged is simply this, that evangelism is every member's ministry. Yeah. So, you know, if you're if you're wondering, God, how are you going to use my life? Here's what I promise you. Here's one ministry you have. You're called to reach other people. Yeah. You're called to share Jesus with yeah. those that are far from God.
3: Yeah. yeah. And along that lines, our vision has always been to be like a city set on a hill, reaching our entire city so it 's always been our vision to be really visible and be in a visible location so by god 's grace we 've always been in a visible spot major streets 99th street and now seventy fifth street really busy four corners here so we can be vis- but we can be visible in more ways than one and so some of the things we do, like our big car show that 's why we do that because we can we can be visible to the entire city and that 's why we 're excited to continue with some of these large outreaches in our city, like our recent truck and trunk or treat. That was an awesome thing that we could just bring to the whole city and even invite the media to, our great Easter event and some of the other events that our city can, uh, the whole city can hear about. So we wanna be visible as possible, but also now we really wanna be visible online as well. So we really wanna up our online presence be really visible in that way. And the other ways that we've done it too is even producing our Christmas TV special, beginning to produce TV specials is a way that we can be visible. And so we really want to be visible, produce online content. And just always, our vision is to be visible. And looking forward, we want to make sure we do this more and more in our city. Yeah.
1: Um, As we kind of put this message together, um, I had shared with my parents something that happened to me a few months ago. And uh, they asked me to to weave it in because it it worked well with our message this weekend. And that was about six or seven um, uh, months ago. Uh, Every Thursday at four-ish... Uh, our staff gets yeah. together, yeah, four or five, whenever four we five. can. Around four, we get together and we pray. And uh, we pray for the people in our church. We pray about what God's going to do that weekend, but we also pray over specific things that we know are happening in our church and in people's lives. So when you send us a prayer request in, our team prays for it, but every Thursday, our staff prays for you as well. And that week, I'd just been feeling, um, we get together, we pray, we, and I, I'd just been feeling a little bit dry. I just felt like, man, almost like, I don't even really want to be here. I know I'm a pastor. I should be better than that. But that's how I was feeling. And um, I just sat there and was just being faithful to just keep praying, even though I didn't want to. I just felt like in that moment, the Holy Spirit just downloaded four things into my heart. And uh, it was almost as if the Holy Spirit was moving the pen. It was that just clear and, and real that I was just writing these things. And so I just wanted to share these four things with you this morning as we go through. I'm going to share them one at a time. But um, the first thing I felt the Holy Spirit say to me was that uh, the university needs to be a priority for us. I don't know if you know this, but our, we would not have a church if it weren't for campus out, uh, uh, outreach. That, that's how our, parent, our pastors were reached, my parents. Our pastors were reached because of university ministry. And, and campus ministry. And so in those early days, um, you might not know this, but in those early days, how our church got started was um, that our pastors went to College Copy. Uh, it a, a photocopying store. Can you believe that even existed? <laughs> pre-stables. Yeah, Pre-Staples. They went to this photocopying store and they printed off these invites for people to come over to their house for church. <laughs> and they went to the u- university and they walked around handing out these things to invite people to church. You, th- you might think that's crazy. That's what happens when you're on fire for God. and You want to see people reach for Jesus. You do crazy things. And that's how this church was started. And one of the people that showed up on that first Sunday after they invited, his name was Boone and he was from Singapore. And I just remember he, he was such a blessing to our lives as, as children. He, he took us to Disney movies and took me to Mulan. he took us to Mulan. <laughs> and, and, and it was just a, such a blessing to see this man come into our lives. And then just the blessing that that was God on us. We heard a story of Dave and Paulina. What a blessing they are to our church and to so many people's children. Uh, People are agreeing because Dave and Paulina have made an impact on their kids' lives. Uh, while they go through, through Sunday school next door. And they were reached by what happened, campus ministries, beautiful. You know, we believe in missions. Obviously we believe in missions around the world, but we also believe that missions have come to us through our university yes. and that people move from around the world to come to our university. And God has given us a mission field there. Yes. And something we learned in youth ministry was that he who goes the most wins. And so if, if uh, we we're talking about high schools, if we show up in those students' lives the most, We'll, we'll end up winning them for Jesus. And we believe that for university ministry as well, that we're not just gonna expect these people to come to us. We're gonna yeah. go and, and mission and, and, and be with them. So, awesome. um, when, so when you guys consider the church's culture going forward, what else do you see us bringing forward into the future?
2: Well, another um, principle that we began to um, really lean into is this, that it's always about the next generation. And, uh, you know, of course, when the church first started, it was always about our generation because we were yeah. the only generation attending, yeah. right? Then people get married and have children, et cetera, et cetera. And then, and then God began to speak to us about the next generation, the next generation. And, and so we leaned into that over the years, and we'll be leaning into that going forward as well. Um, you know, if we don't reach the next generation, then our current generation is our last generation of ministry. Wow. And then when that happens, you can pretty much set a, a closing date on a, on a calendar, So reaching the next generation causes us to empower families as we minister to children, as we minister even to their young adult children. Um, You know, Maria and Rick were one of the testimonies that you saw earlier. Uh, Maria's sister Uh, was a university student, came to Christ, then brought her sister out to an outreach event we had. Then their parents came out and the whole family ends up coming to the Lord. Reaching the next generation means we have to continue to share the timeless message of the gospel in the most current context. Yeah.
3: Yeah, for sure. And an important part of looking forward is to continue to have these great children's and youth programs. So, And what we found is when you reach children, you reach the whole family. And it's such an important part is to get them when they're really young like that, instill that faith in them when they're really, really young. I know for me, I went to Sunday school as a kid and just, it really instilled faith in me, a belief in God. So we really wanna reach kids in that critical time. And then we reach the whole family as well. So we wanna continue to have these amazing kids programs we've had, our summer kids camps and our great family outreaches that we have. We wanna continue to do that to bring families and children into the church. But we also have had in the past, and we want to continually, really continually value our youth programs. And we've seen hundreds of kids, young people, come through our youth programs, our Risen camp, things like that, because this is the prime time in people's lives to be reached, is when they're really young, when they're Mm -hmm. teenagers. And so this is such a time when their hearts are open to God, and we've seen so many people. And I was just thinking, you know, looking at all the leaders we have now, our leaders, our staff, people like that, are examples of people who were reached when they were teens. Yeah, that's good. When they were teens, and you know, sometimes even in this situation, they're not even coming with the parents. The parents aren't even churchgoers, right. but they were reached because they came to a youth event. So we want to continue to have children and youth must continue to be a massive priority in the church.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, the, the second thing that I felt that day was, um, Pastor Leslie, you stole my line that uh, the, the children and youth must be a massive priority. And, uh, and, uh, and that's, the, the, I was sitting down writing that. I just felt the Holy Spirit kind of say that. And I think part of that was because for me, I had slipped away from that a little bit. Um, this has always been uh, our vision. And I believe it always will be our vision as a church. But as the church matures, the temptation is to get away from this. And what happens is, is as we um, grow older, our our preferences start to change and we want the the church to change with it Um, because we're always trying to make the bride of Christ uh, pretty for us, but it's supposed to be pretty for Jesus. It's his bride in the first place. And so we have to be willing to lay down our preferences in order to strengthen our future. And so an example for for this was for me, when I was younger, then I couldn't get enough fast songs. I was like, at youth, we were always playing fast songs. I love jumping around. It was so fun. And Sunday mornings, I was like, we need more fast songs. Well, now, as I get older, I got kids screaming at me all week long. The last thing I want in church is it to be loud and pumpy when I walk in the door. I'm like, you just ease me into this, dear Lord. Like, uh, um, but why do we start with a fast song? We, we start with a fast song because it, first of all, wakes us up a little bit. The second of all, that what we don't even realize is that when new people come into the room, what they're expecting is what they have seen on the movies from a church where if they are late, they're going to open that back door and it's going to go, and it's going to be so quiet in that church that everybody's going to see them and notice them. But when you play a fast song, it's actually comfortable. When it's loud, it's actually comfortable. When it's dark, for a lot of people, it could actually be comfortable to come in and kind of sneak into the church. And even though they're late, nobody noticed. And a lot of churchgoers would do that, um, but that's okay, I'm not judging it this morning. <laughs> um, but what we found is that it's actually comfortable for, for new people yeah. as well. in a way, ease people into it and get us excited also about what God wants to do in us. So we don't change the church to suit our preferences, um, but we really make sure that we're reaching, that, that the, the children and youth must be a massive priority. I've heard it said this way, which was beautiful. If you're between 12 and 30, build a church that you love. If you're between 30 and 50, build a church that your kids love. And if you're 50 and older, build a church that your grandkids love.
0: Very good. Awesome. So good. I want to just expand on this a little more. Um, this whole, you know, next generation, obviously, this has always been just such a focus and vision of our church and been a big part of, uh, heart of our church for so many years. And, you know, something I've, I've heard uh, over time was I hear people kind of categorize, you know, churches based off of maybe the majority of the age demographic of who attended. For example, you'd hear people say, you know, this church is kind of for older people. This church over here is more for, like, families with kids. Or this other church here is more for, like, young adults and singles. And I used to not think about this much. It didn't really bother me at all. But I know now entering into my 30s and now that I have kids, I get to see this, you know, amazing harmony that we get to have as a family, having the grandparents, the parents, and the kids all getting to attend and participate in church together, and I, I just want us to picture a family gathering for a second, all uh, around the table. And you know, uh, when we all come to a family gathering with the you know the grandparents, the parents, and the kids, you know the parents might be doing most of the preparation. They may be getting everyone there on time. They might be hosting the event. Uh, you might have the grandparents you know helping wherever they see gaps or needs. Uh, maybe uh, maybe they paid for the meal, and you know they're obviously they're always you know loving and encouraging the grandkids and the parents as well. But then you have the kids, and when it comes to the kids, we're just really making sure that they eat their food. You know, we're making sure they're being kind to each other. They're learning their manners. They're helping in, in, in any way they can, and, and honoring and respecting uh, their parents and their grandparents. But you know, everybody is you know functioning and they enjoy each other's company. Uh, but what happens with the table conversation, you know, it's always, at the end of the day, it always steers back to what do the kids need? And are the kids doing well? How are the kids doing in school? Um, uh, how are they growing and, and, and learning? And I think this is a really important metaphor for us uh, as the church, uh, as all of us generations are needed uh, to build the church together. Um, we really need to always be looking towards you know, what the kids need because at the end of the day, um, the only way that the church moves forward is with the whole family. Just as a family right. needs to raise the kids with the parents and the grandkids, right. so does the church need to raise it with the parents and the grandkids Very and good. always steering back to what the kids need. And I really just think that's such a, a, a good picture uh, for what we need to have for, you know, in our lives and in your own life as well with your own family so we can reach, just like that story of Maria and Rick, just because they re- <laughs> folk, we reached the kids, we reach the entire family. And uh, I don't think this just relates to our physical age, but this also relates to our spiritual age as well. Spiritual maturity. Spiritual maturity, you know. And what I mean by that is this, is that, you know, you could be a spiritual kid here. That means that you just got saved, you're brand new, whether you're 16-year-old year old or maybe you're 58-year-old, but you're brand new, you're a kid Christian, or maybe you're a parent, maybe you've uh, had a solid, you know, relationship with Jesus for a while, or you're a spiritual grandparent. You just have tons of maturity and wisdom. And at the end of the day, to reach the, to reach the kids, we need the entire family participating yeah. at the church together because everybody has a seat at the table and everybody eats at the table. And we need all generations uh, of age and spiritual maturity working together to reach the kids. Yeah, that's good. That's, yeah. good. that's good. So, um, you know, obviously the, our church has always functioned with, we talked a little bit about ministry teams and volunteers for, you know, decades now. How do you see that continuing for in the future?
2: Yeah, I want to comment on that. But first I want to go back to what you're saying about multi-generational church. You know, when I think in terms of a natural family getting together Christmas dinner or whatever, you know what's the most exciting uh, people in the room? It's the babies. (laughs) (laughs) They make it. And you know what? That's that's what makes the church exciting too. Is that we're constantly seeing people come to Christ. It's the baby Christians that make church awesome. Um, When we think about volunteer ministries, excuse me, and which has been a huge uh, part of the culture of our church. Looking forward, I'd simply say it this way: Everyone has a part to play. Mm -hmm. Everyone has a part to play. You know, when uh, we commit to Christ, we become a Christ follower. Jesus set the example when he was the servant of all, the Bible says. And so we connect with that same factor of serving. Ephesians chapter 4, 11 through 16 has been an absolute foundation for how this church has been structured, where it says this, it was he who gave some as apostles and prophets, evangelists and pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. This has been captured in a number of ways with different phrases over the years, like every member is a minister or equipping the saints for service, empowering others to serve, There's no spectators, um, you know, in the body of Christ. I mean, obviously, if you're new to a church, you walk in, you're a spectator. But once that becomes your church, you're, you're to be involved. You're to be a participating member. And so, you know what? You have gifts, you have callings, you have abilities that can best serve the church. And the church grows, and as the church grows, rather, the importance of volunteers serving coming from everyone and every dynamic of ministry yeah. absolutely increases. Yeah. You have something on your life called a redemptive potential. Here's what I mean by that. The Bible says this, that you were saved and you were called. So in other words, when you gave your life to Christ, you were saved. You were forgiven. You're brought into God's family. You have eternal life, all that good thing. But here's the other side of it. You were also called. God's called you for a purpose that he wants to work in and through your life. So you have a redemptive potential. You have something on your life you can do that contributes to the kingdom. Well, just as your redemptive potential is found in how you serve, so it is that the church's redemptive potential is found in how we all serve together. We are where we are today. We have what we have today because of the contribution and involvement of many people.
1: Yeah. The fourth or the third thing I felt that the Holy Spirit just gave me that day as I was was just sitting there, I grabbed the envelope from the seat back in front of me. I was just jotting these things down. I did not expect it. Um, The third thing I felt he gave me was that we invite people into what we do. You know, we put on the wall that this is not just a place to attend, it's a place to belong. And people need to be invited into that. And even though we say every week from the stage, Take next steps. You'll get into those things. You know what? You know what goes so much further than that is a personal invitation into your life Mm -hmm. and onto your team. And so this works in in multiple different ways. I mean, you can invite people into your life as in, hey, I got this connect group happening. Never close that connect group. You know, it doesn't matter how big it gets invite people in. Make it your mission that people will always be joining because you're excited about those new people. You know, if you're on a serving team, I'd encourage you, invite people. Man, a personal connection goes so much further than someone from the stage saying, hey, go to this class. I mean, the class works, but if people are invited in, man, that's how it becomes a place to belong. We never wanna be a church that's run exclusively by paid staff. This is never how we've done things. And so this will always be a massive priority that people be invited into what we're doing. You know, Paul was a tent maker. Uh, He he had this great ministry, but he also had something else else he did from nine to five. And all of us need to see that, that we don't just have a job from nine to five, we also have ministries. So you can be a plumber and you can be a pastor as well. And I'll just encourage you to to receive that for your life and know that even at nine to five, you can invite people into your life while you're at work and pastor people that way as well. So invite people into what we do. What else do you guys see vital uh, to our future from our past?
2: Well, the other thing is this, make disciples out of decisions. Make disciples out of decisions. You know, it's one thing to say, well, I've decided to follow Christ, get baptized, all that. But now there's that, personal growth, that maturity in your Christian life. And it's not like optional. It's not like, well, if you want to, you should do this. There's no such thing as neutral. You're either progressing or you're regressing. And personal maturity is absolutely needed for God to continue to work in and through your life and to fulfill uh, the purposes of God. Without going into a full sermon, the reality is this. God can put vision in your heart that you're nowhere near prepared to take on that's why you've got to continue to personally grow. Yeah. Making yeah. disciples means this, that we want to see the impact of God's word have a greater impact into people's lives than the impact of our current culture. Yeah, our so lives good. need to be shaped by the word of God in order to be set free from being shaped by the impact of a sinful world that is around us. So good. You know, so good. reflecting on what I said last Sunday, we don't want to just celebrate your starting point We wanna celebrate the completion of the race set before you, Yeah, but we really do.
3: Yeah, for sure. And along with part of making disciples is leading people to freedom. And I don't know if you noticed, but our world is increasingly broken. There's so much going on in our world. And as people come in, they're gonna need freedom. Our world is so broken. People are gonna need freedom from so many different things. So we wanna continue looking forward to continue with freedom ministry and freedom groups. And even Aaron mentioned, you know, he came in broken. He came in with addictions. We wanna be able to more and more offer freedom ministry in our church and really see people set free as as disciples. So freedom groups where people can be taught to experience victory, overcoming fears, addictions, temptations, mental health issues, and insecurity. We want to continue to offer freedom groups. Absolutely.
2: Now, this ties into um, another thought that we wanted to share, and that is the importance of ongoing development of leaders, developing leaders. You know, every person is a leader. Every person in this room is a leader. So, well, how can you say that? I don't have a badge. You know, I don't have a, a, a position. No, but you have a function. You have a function of influence into somebody's life around you. If you're a, a single mom here, you're a, you're a leader leading those children. So everybody has influence. Everybody is a leader. And we could talk about, you know, more campuses or other sites and other cities, or we could talk about more buildings and, and, and connect groups and all those things. But the real future of the church is actually found in the developing of leaders. Yeah. And when we look at our present staff and we look at our lead volunteers as well, you can see that the future of the church is found in leadership development. This is gonna be very important as we go forward.
1: Yeah, the last thing I felt that
2: God put on my heart that day,
1: and I actually felt him do this a couple of years ago, um, but I felt him tell me to write it down that day was that honor must be restored. And so not only are we gonna honor God with our lives, clearly that's important, but uh, just a couple years ago, I just felt a little bit frustrated in my ministry and where things were going and and what I was to do. And and I really felt that God put on my heart that uh, I needed to honor my father and my mother as my pastors, as an employee of the church that I had to restore honor to my pastors. And I specifically heard him say, when you honor your parents, God will honor you. And our culture has just gotten so far away from... Uh, Honor as a a priority, you know. As when we hear about something bad happening, we want to make it public and vocal, right? We want to give that one-star review, uh, or we want to, you know, slam people on social media, whatever it may be. Um, We've just gotten away from honor, and what happens is dishonor causes division. And it's okay to be divided on some things, but it's not okay to be divisive. And and uh, so and and so we got to get back to a culture of honor honoring each other, honoring uh, our, our leaders. And this is how God knows if he can trust us with influence. It's not, do they do honoring things, but do they have an honoring spirit? Mm. And I believe that division has created space for dishonoring. And we gotta get, we gotta get away from that and back to a, a culture of honor. You know, something I'll never forget that you guys did as uh, growing up as kids in our home um, there'd be times where my parents would talk about some sensitive uh, issues that they'd be working through something and they'd be talking about how to deal with these issues, how to work through these things. maybe it was you know trouble with a conflict at, at, at the church or or um, in someone's marriage that they're trying to help them figure out how to go walk through things. I always remember that you guys would never use their names so that we would know who you're talking about because you'd never want us to look at somebody differently that was so honoring to those people. You would always use their first initials sometimes. They'd be like, all right, there's an issue with I and J. And we'd be sitting there going, okay, there's like eight I's and three J's. And uh, yeah, so we'd be trying to figure it out. But you would always make sure to protect those people and make sure that uh, our kids wouldn't have attitudes about people because we weren't old enough to understand the situations that were going on and, and you guys were working through. I just thought that was so beautiful. That will always go with us. That that's how we honor people. You know, uh, I just think of Noah in the Bible and, and we think of Noah as the boat guy, right? Um, but there's a story that's not so popular about Noah. Uh, Noah got drunk on the beach and he was lying, lying down naked. Noah had himself a little spring break after the boat trip. Um, but uh, Noah in his, in his sin, in, in his dishonor of his life, in his mistake or his imperfection there on the beach, um, his boys grabbed a blanket and they walked backwards and covered him up and took care of him so that they wouldn't look at their father and, and be dishonoring uh, towards him in, in that. And I just think that's such a powerful statement about us just honoring each other and making sure that we are gonna be a church going forward, a church that honors. That, that's our language. We're gonna honor each other. We're gonna honor our leaders because we know that we don't promote ourselves. And isn't that what, you know, slander and gossip is sometimes? It's not about the other person. It's about us propping ourselves up on that to to make ourselves look better. But we know we don't promote ourselves. God promotes us. And honor is how we show him that he can promote us. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, I'm preaching a little bit this morning. I wasn't supposed to, but here we go. Um, C.S. Lewis said this, the center of Christian morals is humility. Mm. Let's just be humble people that honor. And let's make sure we build the kingdom. Instead of our kingdom. And I love that story in the Bible where Aaron and her are holding up Moses' arms because the call was on Moses' life as the leader. So Aaron and her weren't worried about their life in that moment. They just said, let's hold up the arms of our leader who doesn't have the strength to hold his arms up anymore because God's doing something through them. And I just think that's beautiful that they realized, hey, we all have the same enemy and we're holding up their arms so that we can defeat that enemy. So powerful. Mm-hmm. We've got to remember, we all have the same enemy. It's not each other. Let's defeat him That's today.
2: That's so good. Awesome. Can Very we stand good. as we take a moment to pray? And, um, you know, th- through uh, this time of talking together, we reflected on, on some really important principles, important biblical principles. And we started with talking about the kingdom of God being first place in your life. That, that Jesus, really the only place for Jesus where he fits into your world, is first place. That's it. That's his only place. But you know, what I talked about as a church, how that we had to deal with distractions, happens as well in people's worlds. Happens in personal lives. And maybe that's happened to you. Maybe as you look at your life, you're like, you know what, I I, at some point fit Jesus in here and now he's down around this area. He's he's a few tears down from where he should be in terms of him being first place in your life. Or maybe you're a person who says, you know what, I've I've sort of had a, a certain mentality about what Christianity was all about, and hopefully today, something about today has clarified that for you to realize, you know what, if I'm, I'm gonna say yes to Jesus because he is the savior of the world who died for us, and now I know what I need to do. Put him first place. Today, I wanna I want to pray a prayer of new beginnings. That there are people, I believe, uh, watching online, people that are in this room, you need a new beginnings. Jesus hasn't been first place. Your life has gotten distracted. The good news is you can deal with that right now. You can reset that. You can have a new beginning. Maybe you're someone who says, well, I've I've never yet invited Christ into my life. Do you know what the promise of salvation, the promise of Jesus coming into your life is this? You get a new beginning. You get a brand new start. You get a new life where you get to... Put the old one behind you. Start a new life where Christ is the center, where it's about serving Jesus and knowing him and following God's purposes. And you know what? When you reset your life, when you set that new beginning, when you set Jesus first place and decide, this is how I'm gonna do life, man, the next 30 years for you personally can look phenomenal. It really can. With our heads bowed, I wanna pray right now. And I'm gonna ask us all to pray together. And for those of you who would say, I need to put Jesus in my life. I've not done that. For those who would say, I need a reset. I need a new beginning. We invite you all to pray along with us. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you thought about us when you went to the cross and gave your life for me. I ask you to forgive my past. I want a new beginning with you at the center. I'm confessing you as the Lord of my life, I'm putting you first place in my world to follow you with all of my heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
0: Thanks for listening with us today. If you enjoyed it, check out more messages like this at CelebrationEmonton.com or on the Celebration Church mobile app. If you'd like to partner with us financially, you can give on our website at celebrationemmonton.com. Come back next week to hear another great message.